Welcome to You Don't Even Like This Band, a podcast about bands you probably don't even like. We hope you don't know this one. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Andy Sell, and Travis Clark. Hey, everybody, welcome to a podcast that used to be called Unpops Music. But that now we're calling, you don't even like this band, the Fleetwood Mac season, a.k.a. Podcast in the Night, a.k.a. Potters, a.k.a. Podcast Mac. Anyone have any others? Uh, how about Thunder Only Happens When You're Podcasting? Oh, I like that. <laughs> that's a good one. I like one. that. The Green Pot Alishi? <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut, as is Podgwin, also a deep cut. <laughs> I'm also a fan of Don't Stop Potting About Tomorrow. <laughs> I, I do like that one as well. Yeah. You'll Never Break the Pod, maybe? Nice. Pusk? Pusk okay, is all right. solid. I like it so much. I, I, like I just it. want to start a band called Pusk. I do too, because it's it's immediately makes you have a feeling that's weird and you don't know why. You, what is that? What is a Pusk? Pusk sounds like a grunge band name. Like 100%. Pusk yeah. is a band that was in Seattle in 1989. Yeah, it was made up of mostly guys that like didn't make it into Tad. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they were kind of like, you know, also in the scene and they did they made a good album. I don't mind Pod Slide either. I like that for our okay. band name. If we ever spin off from mm. a podcast into a band, I like Pod Slide for our band name. How about Rock On Pod Dust Woman? <laughs> hey, not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Hey, have we introduced ourselves? Do people even know who we are? I'm Adam Todd Brown. I remain Travis fucking Clark. I'm Andy. By the way, Andy! Andy! It's so nice to see you, Andy! Oh, it's been too long! It's it's nice to see you, Travis. I missed I you. I smell your mother Travis. father! Travis got up and got water. I smell your mother father, and I just, you look so adorable. You still got that mustache. It I, makes you look so handsome. <laughs> and you got all that hair. Look at all that hair. You know, when I yeah. birthed you, you came out covered in hair. You look like <sighs> that, you look like that Bieber boy. Uh, there is a lot to to try to sort through right you now. You look like that Bieber boy if he became a, a cop with a really hard job. Oh, look. Fleetwood Mac fans listening to this, what have you stumbled into? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've already turned it off. <laughs> Potentially. But yeah, we're, we're covering Fleetwood Mac this season. I'm very excited. Fle- this is one of, of all the bands we've covered. This is one of my favorite, personally. And here's what's fascinating about it. Like, I have... A lot of um, history with Fleetwood Mac because they're just one of those bands that's kind of ubiquitous with being alive. Like they're just their music is everywhere. For a while, I was in a theater troupe and we did a play called Fleetwood Macbeth where we did Macbeth with all the music of Fleetwood Mac. Or not all, but the hits. So like I know what I thought was a lot about this band. And then it turns out, no, I don't. I do not. Yeah, there's a lot to this band. Like, I considered myself a pretty big Fleetwood Mac fan. I've seen them in concert a bunch of times. I've seen Lindsey Buckingham solo a few times. I mean, you have that shirt that says, I'm a Mac head. Yeah. Well, I got one for everyone. I hope you all I'm wearing wear mine yours. right now. Yeah, I'm wearing mine right now. Andy? Andy? Oh, I, I gave mine away. 
Yeah, I thought it was That's a computer fair. thing. I thought oh, I thought it was. A, that I makes thought sense. It was, I'm that a PC sense. user, so I I just thought it was a computer thing, and I said I'm giving this away, and I did. So you're I don't have a, it. You're more of a Fleetwood PC guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fleetwood PC. <laughs> that was good. That was very good. My thing with this podcast, I feel like Fleetwood Mac, like at least in my history of consuming music and music related media i feel like fleetwood mac has always had kind of a dad rock stink to him and i think it's not necessarily fair i think they made one really almost perfect pop album in the 70s and they've been deviating from that formula pretty much Hmm. every album since whereas someone like the eagles (laughs) who fleetwood mac always gets lumped in with yeah the eagles have this wild reputation but their music is that kind of same dad rock bullshit where like i don't hate the eagles but i don't love the eagles i fucking love fleetwood mac like there's there's no lindsey buckingham in the eagles that's for damn sure sure but didn't didn't they get lumped in together because of sound city weren't they all kind of recording there at the same time is that kind of how they get tangled together yeah, and just the era, and also Don Henley and Stevie Nicks dated for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, boy, does that oh. become a plot point See, later. That- Stevie Nicks went to the hen house? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I lumped them in together just because they they both are, you know, it's classic rock. They're played on the yeah. same radio stations when I was growing up. They were on the same dial, you know? Yeah. They're in the same part of the dial as, you know, it was Santana, the Eagles. My experience with Fleetwood Mac, like I think every band we've covered so far, is pretty limited. I come into this without a whole lot of exposure to it. Like, obviously, I know Rumors and I know Tusk, and that's about it for me with Fleetwood Mac. I don't know much else of their music. So this is going to be one of those things for me where just like every other band we've covered, I'm going to be learning a lot as we go. Yeah. See, and I only knew Mick Fleetwood as the owner of uh, a restaurant in Maui. That's the only way I know him. He owns a, a like Mick Fleetwood's on front. He owns a, a whole bar where you can uh, go. They literally have Fleetwood mac and cheese on the menu. Oh, is that, does, now look, do they put jalapenos in that? Because if they do, Kurt Cobain can't eat <laughs> yeah, there. I yeah. don't think he ate there. I don't think he eats there. Do they have a Kurt Cobain mac and cheese? <laughs> just asking, just asking. I don't know. They I might. went there and like pitched them a whole bunch of like menu puns. And they were like, <laughs> you need to leave. This Sit is not, and yeah. Fleetwood mac and cheese. <laughs> See, I said that they should have landsliders. They should have like little burgers, oh, sure. right? Yeah. And they were like, leave. Just leave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, one thing about Fleetwood Mac, I think a lot of casual fans, I mean, you got to be pretty casual to not know this, but there's essentially two different versions of Fleetwood Mac. There's the Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham fronted version that is obviously the most popular version. That's the lineup that made rumors. But there's a whole other Fleetwood Mac before that that was actually, I mean, not together longer, but they so far have still put out more albums than the Fleetwood Mac fronted by Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. So that's interesting. And that's what these first couple of episodes are going to be about, is that version of Fleetwood Mac. Don't worry, there's still going to be drugs and... <laughs> Oh, thank God. I got worried for a second. There's going to be people in the band sleeping with other bandmates' wives. All of that stuff you expect from Fleetwood Mac 
It's just before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks show up. I'm just hoping there's a little bit of godliness. <laughs> there is an excessive amount of religiousness in these two episodes. It is shocking how big of a role God plays in the development of Fleetwood Mac. Well, he's was their second drummer for a while. <laughs> Which God, though? I hope it was one of the like multi-armed deities, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how you... Yeah, 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 all right. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. We already kind of talked about our initial thoughts on Fleetwood Mac, right? I have that yeah. here in I, the notes, but I love it. I'm, I'm a big fan, but there's also a lot that I didn't know. I knew nothing about this first the stuff we're covering these first two episodes, I had almost completely dismissed this version of Fleetwood Mac as being a thing I don't like, which is a British blues rock band. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they are that for a few years, but I would argue there's three versions of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And I like Fleetwood Mac. Unlike you, Adam, I've never seen them live. I know Lindsey Buckingham as like a really great guitarist. Like I know that about it. But like this pre what version, the, the blues jam to the other versions, all news to me. Like, like uh, I did not know about this. Yeah. yeah. If it's not rumors or Tusk, I'm not familiar with it. So this is all this is all a, a, a revelation to me. Yeah. I, th- I think it would surprise a lot of people that Fleetwood Mac was a band for a long, long time before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks showed up. So that's what we're going to talk about these first couple episodes. The source material for these episodes is going to be Mick Fleetwood's book, which is called Play On Now Then in Fleetwood Mac, along with a whole shit ton of Rolling Stone articles. Man, Rolling Stone loved Fleetwood Mac in the 70s, and no one was reporting on it the way Rolling Stone did. So it's actually just a really good source for information about the band. They put out, it's actually one of the things that made me want to do a Fleetwood Mac season. I was at the grocery store a few weeks ago and there was a Rolling Stone, like Fleetwood Mac 50th anniversary commemorative edition. You know how they'll like compile oh, right, yeah. all of their articles into a thing. And they put one of those out for Fleetwood Mac in 2017. And for some reason it was just in... <laughs> The checkout aisle a few weeks ago. And I was like, huh, Fleetwood Mac. I know I can find all of that on the internet, but let's pay $15 for this anyway. (laughs) I love it that they're like, this is evergreen. We'll just keep it here. Somebody will eventually buy it. (laughs) And I'm that somebody. And now here we are. And hey, I can write that $15 off of my taxes. 100%. We're doing a Uh, podcast about it. And then just not release this podcast the way that uh, Warner Brothers is with the Batgirl movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is actually Unpo- a big $15 yeah. tax shelter. It's <laughs> a big scheme on my part. $15, $90 million, what's the difference? <laughs> so since we're starting with Fl- Mick Fleetwood's book, it stands to reason that the story should sort of start with him. Sure. What? No, that's insane. He's the only one who's been in the band the entire time. The band is half-named... After him, the Fleetwood. Oh, and the other half is Constable Big Mac from McDonald's. Correct. Mayor Mac Cheese, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's actually John McVie is (laughs) the other, is the Mac in Fleetwood That's the Mac? Mac. Yeah. It's like a Guns N' Roses situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sort of. Well, because it was Tracy Guns and and, and Axl Rose, and then... Tracy Guns was like, I'm out. And he's like, well, cool, keeping the name. <laughs> what if they'd called the band John Mick? 
that one. Each one was a yeah. Each album was a chapter. Chapter yeah. one. And also that thing about it being similar to Guns N' Roses, when they came up with the name Fleetwood Mac, John McVie was not in the band. He was in another band, but yeah. <laughs> but the lead singer of Fleetwood Mac, who was neither of them, really wanted John McVie to be in the band, and they had recorded a song he liked, so he was like, fuck it, Fleetwood Mac. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, you know how we can get him into band? What if we just put his name in the band, and then he's going to think he's in the band, and then he's in the band? <laughs> just trick him. <laughs> yeah. He just... They just try. Everyone looks alike in that scene. He just realized weeks later, hey, this isn't the Blues Breakers. Wait, the whole time I've been in this band? You ain't John Mayo. <laughs> so Mick Fleetwood, what's interesting about Fleetwood Mac, they have no management. Mick Fleetwood is their manager and has been for a long, 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 long time. Well, that's really? convenient. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. The dude's like seven feet tall. If he walked in and told you to do something, you're like, okay, man. Yeah, he's he, a character. He, he does kind of look like a fairy tale giant, to be honest. <laughs> like, he does look like he eats goats and children. He looks like Hagrid pulled it together. You know, like, you know. What? No, he looks like Hagrid started doing meth. It, no, he looks like Hagrid figured out portion control and kind of like, you know. He looks like Hagrid found Steve Earle's crack dealer. <laughs> People at home, for a Fleetwood Mac reference, you can probably picture in your head, Mick Fleetwood is the guy standing over Stevie Nicks on the Rumors album wearing a belt that looks like testicles. <laughs> There's only two of them. They're the only two on the album cover, which I always thought was weird. It's an artistic choice. Mm -hmm. they're, they're a whole band, but there's only the two of them. But on the album before it, too. Those are very important balls, by the way. <laughs> they are, actually. <laughs> those balls on his, on that album cover. It turns out he, he uses those. Not yeah, just, he, not he just stores did, coins in them. They're yeah. the, the scrotal sack of one of his enemies. Yeah, well, he dangles them over women in photos, yeah. obviously. So, But also other stuff. So we'll talk about those balls later. <laughs> can't wait like My any rock autobiography this one includes a whole bunch of stuff about mick fleetwood's childhood and family and upbringing and uh i don't care you you can go read it if you want people at home yeah he he doesn't sound like he was hitting the head with a hammer or <laughs> yeah, you none know of that <laughs> had a had an uncle that got him addicted to heroin or anything like that. It just seems pretty straightforward. Like he had a regular childhood yeah. with supportive parents. I was a small person, and then over time I got taller, and then I was a big person, and then I was an adult. Oh, I grew four yeah. feet between <laughs> freshman and sophomore year, mate. Do they even call it freshman and sophomore in England? I don't know. I don't know what, how Hogwarts. And he, I don't think up. he even made it that far in high school. He had very supportive parents up to the, even up to the point where, when he decided he wanted to drop out of high school and pursue a career in music, his dad was like, oi, better get you some drums then. And they went out and bought him nicer drums and got him set up in an apartment in London. So good for <laughs> I him. that you make his dad sound like a chimney sweep. I'm going to make everyone on this sound like a chimney sweep. You can't afford drums on a chimney sweep salary. <laughs> oh, yes, you can, my son. If you put in the work, you can afford whatever you want. All right. Well, you sound like a British gangster, which that, that sounds a little more like drum buying dad. Sorry. Um, I'll take it. I'll take I'll it. I'll stop critiquing the accents. It's fine. I'm too scared to do one. So Mick Fleetwood says his first exposure 
to the power of live music happened during a family trip to Italy when he was 10 or 11 years old. Here's a quote. I, we'd all gone down to the beach one day. And I was still... <laughs> He's a fucking pirate. He looks like a pirate to me. He I don't know what... He does look ma- like a pirate. He's been living in Hawaii for... how he talks. Yeah. You, know what, you know what he looks like? He looks like um, the Will Forte character in the baby on the plane sketch in that season of I Think You Should Leave. That's what he looks like. Wow, you get hyper-specific. Wow, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. You're sure you have COVID brain right now. <laughs> Is it? Did you mean that in that it's giving you superpowers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is all pre-written. <laughs> Bradley Cooper and Limitless right now since I got COVID. It's crazy. <laughs> and he took a pill, but it just gives him the ability to reference Netflix sketch comedy. <laughs> it's not the worst it's, skill. <laughs> all right, here goes that quote again. I'm not going to read it like a pirate, but I'm so sorry. There will be times where, for comedic effect, I'll have to read Mick Fleetwood quotes in pirate voice because he's got mm-hmm. he's got the look. He's all he's gangly. Like if you were hanging out with Mick Fleetwood, and at one point he just reached over and pulled off the lower portion of one of his legs, you'd be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Like, yeah. Or if he pointed to his chest of doubloons, you'd be like, "Yeah." <laughs> That all checks out. Yeah. Or if he had like a musket, you'd be like, sure, sure. Yeah, or if he was like constantly like trying to get Johnny Depp to give him back the Black Pearl, like he'd be like, <laughs> that makes sense. Or if Disney <laughs> removed the Mick Fleetwood animatronic from the ride because he's chasing a woman and that sends the wrong message. And then like your uncle gets all pissed off and stops going to Disney because of how woke it's getting. That would make sense. Sure. Sure. All yep. of that. All of that. Yeah, Mick Fleetwood has a look. That's for damn sure. The whole band does. I That's one of the things I like about them. Like, Mick Fleetwood and Lindsey Buckingham both just looked a little scary in the 80s. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lindsey Buckingham, like, he embraced that thing where musician, like, where male musicians would wear a lot of makeup in the 80s, but just the fucking eyeliner. And it would be so much, so much. And it always weirded me out because the thing about me and Fleetwood Mac, like I'm old enough, I think, I mean, me and Travis both are at least, but I'm old enough to remember MTV like coming on the air. Oh, same. A hundred percent. And Fleetwood Mac put out an album in the early days of MTV called Mirage. And it had a song called Hold Me on it. And that video got so much play on MTV because there were so few videos. Like any band that had one, it was going to get played a whole bunch as long as you weren't black. And Hold Me by Fleetwood Mac got so much airplay. I don't know that one. I don't remember that one. You will when you hear it. Okay. Okay. You, so, were, yeah. you were quoting Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, uh, sorry. In, 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 <laughs> he in went to Italy yeah. as a kid on a, his chimney sweep. His chimney sweep took him dad to Italy. takes him and his daughter. And then here goes the one interesting thing I was able to pull out of his childhood. We'd all gone down to the beach one day when I was still young enough to know nothing of sexuality. But I, me sister Susan, had begun to mature. She was looking absolutely gorgeous. And this young chap came up to her in a pair of Speedos with a big old heart on. I remember seeing it just right there nearly sticking out of his swimsuit. So I ran to tell my dad because Sue was young, probably 14, and I didn't know what it all 
met. And now you're probably asking, what does all that have to do with his introduction to live music? Yes, I was very much trying uh, to yeah, figure that I out. I also okay. kind of want to bring a case against Fleetwood, Mick Fleetwood, for putting this imagery in my head. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's a crime that I'm imagining this whole scenario. A little bit. Well, the thing about that story, Mick Fleetwood's parents let that young man take his sister out on the town that night because the 60s were way different. Well, they just yeah, you know, you have a hard on poking yeah. out your speedo and that's I mean, a, you know, the parents appreciate the forthrightness uh, of it all. That's the Italian hello. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cut of your boner, kid. <laughs> Take my daughter out on the town. Tell me, what, what are your intentions with my daughter? Oh, I see them. They're right there. Go on. Yeah, so, have a night. See, he's, yeah. A, he's European, so his boner probably wasn't cut. Is <laughs> Oh, <laughs> probably, yeah. Ugh. It looks like he's smuggling a long-necked clam in his pants. So he, he took Mick Fleetwood's sister out that night, and they sent Mick Fleetwood along just so the sister could watch him. And Mick Fleetwood was very transfixed by the drummer playing in the band that night. That felt like a long way around (laughs) to get... We didn't need half of these details, Mick. (laughs) Yeah, Mick, you could have cut to, I was on vacation in Italy. I I went out with my sister and saw a band, and I loved it. Instead, you're like... Dude showed up with speedos, big old boners sticking out. My sister was super young. I was like, kind of into fuck? my sister. Are <laughs> a plank she could walk. <laughs> His dick, I mean. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Mick Fleetwood ends up dropping out of high school. His parents are super supportive about it. Good for them. Good for them. You know how when you're on vacation and a guy with a boner shows up and hits on your sister and you go out and you see a band and you're like, that drummer's good. I'm quitting high school. We all had that experience, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All all this time. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a whole arc in the first season of my so-called life about that, I think. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was Jared Leto's character's arc. Mm -hmm. He played the boner. Yeah. (laughs) It's his arc right now, too. No, Boner was on Growing Pains. You're right. You're right. (laughs) So, yeah, I do like that part, though. So many of these bands we've covered, the parents have been a bit of a issue in some cases. So Mick Fleetwood's got good parents. I'm not mad at him for that. Good for him. I do miss the aspect of a tool being used to beat the music into a child, though. Like, like oh, a, a tool was used. Yeah. A tool was that's used. That's true. That's true. But like, if a yeah. wrench could have hit him in the head, and now he only sees music, like that would have been fun. Well, we don't know. Maybe the boner hit him in the head. All right. Maybe it was Bonehead from Oasis. Maybe it was Brian it. Head Welch. Oh yeah. By the if you're listening to this for free, by the time you're hearing it. Our Oasis podcast is out for free, too. So, Yay! Probably so Supernova, that. get on You'll it. You'll get some of these references. Yes, yes. Just stop the podcast. Go listen to all episodes <laughs> of the Oasis podcast. Going to be a lot of Oasis references in this. I don't know why. It'll also get you used to the British accents you're going to hear. Anything else, Andy, that it might get them used to? Is there any other character or mm. voice that it might can't, somehow... Can't, can't think of one. Can't okay. think of one. All right. Yeah, maybe syphilis bear? Oh, hi, everybody. I heard you talking about a Fleetwood Mac. That sounds like a lot of fun. Why, Andy? Why did you do that? I had de-escalated Andy, the situation. I, I have not seen you in so long, my friend. How about you just come over here and give me a hug? You don't exist. You're not real. 
It's it's you're a figment of my imagination. You're and not really you're, here. There is no yet, such thing. You're talking to me, so I must be real. Must be. Perception is reality. <laughs> it has been so long and has requ- taken me so much work to get to the point where I'm no longer hearing or seeing what this th- 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 you don't exist. You're not real. You're in my head. Adam, There's what's th- happening with Andy right now? I There's don't know. No such thing. Yeah. Yeah, There's I don't no know. Such thing. He's just been like repeating there's no such thing over and over, just sitting in his own little corner. I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, it's weird. He's rocking back and forth. Yeah, it's super strange. You listening to the Mac over there? What's yeah, you on? macking out? Yeah. <laughs> you strung out on the Mac? Yeah. You macking out with your cack out? Mm-hmm. It's the return of the Mac. <laughs> no, come on. Too far. Too oh, far. I'm sorry. Mm, You're right. I, I don't like that one. So Mick Fleetwood, he goes off to London to become a musician. One of his early bands called The Chains, C-H-E-Y-N-E-S, The Chainies, I don't know. Cheyennes? They toured with the Rolling Stones in 1964, but then they broke up in 65, so who cares? Uh, Someone did break the chains. Yeah, exactly. Eh? Oh. <laughs> eh? And you thought they would never do that. <laughs> that said, he did meet an important figure around this time, John McVie, the Mac in Fleetwood Mac. He was playing with John Mayall in the Blues Breakers at the time. Is anyone familiar with their music? Uh, I'm more familiar with their name than yeah, their music. Same. Yeah, 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 same. But I'm going to guess it's like super precious British. Oh, blues is the only real music, and we're going to take it, and we're going to throw it ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, it's the kind of shit I don't like. I know that. But I know <laughs> that band is really famous for cycling really big name guitar players through their ranks. I know Jeff Beck was in that mm-hmm. band. Eric Clapton was Clapton, in that yep. band. Fuck that guy, by the way. Um, <laughs> John McVie of Fleetwood Mac was in that band. So it was a band that had an always evolving lineup. West Borland at one point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred Durst played guitar in John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. It's crazy. I know you'll be loving this blues right here. (laughs) It was in a later band. Oh, oh, wait, no, I can't leave out the part where uh, Mick Fleetwood also met a woman named Jenny Boyd around this time who would go on to be his first wife. Very important figure in the early years of the band later on. Jenny Boyd sounds like you're trying to do a British accent. Jenny Boyd. You know, like you're just trying to say words in a British accent. Well, if the last name sounds familiar... It's because the British music scene apparently involved like 12 people because Jenny Mm. Boyd is, I think, the sister of Patty Boyd, who was married to both Eric Clapton and George Harrison at one point. I'm sorry. Every time you say Boyd, it just sounds to me like Curly from the Three Stooges trying to say bird. (laughs) There's that COVID brain. (laughs) Tell me about the Boyd. Slightly. So wait, Patty Boyd, that's the one who Bridge is about, a badge is about, right? Yes. Yeah. Weird. She's the one that Wonderful Tonight is about. Oh, yeah. George Harrison probably wrote some songs about her that were much better songs. But. Now, is she why Eric Clapton went on the racist rant at the sh- No, that was a different... Never mind. It wouldn't surprise me if he blamed women for that, but... <laughs> so it was in a later band called Peter B's Lunars where Mick Fleetwood met another integral figure to the Fleetwood Mac story. After his first month in the band, the lead guitarist quit and was replaced by an 18-year-old with zero previous paid music experience. His name was Peter Green. 
Here's a quote from Mick Fleetwood. I can say without hesitation that Peter Green was the most brilliant musician I have ever played with. That quote was short enough that I could do the pirate voice the whole time. So (laughs) Now I'll need your ship and I'll need your men. Yeah. And your girlfriend. She's the lead singer. I'll be requesting a parlay. (laughs) I'm the drummer now. (laughs) That's a different kind of pirate. (laughs) I know, but I had to put it. I mean, Mick Fleetwood does flee to Africa at one point. It's true, he does. This story, so he's all kinds of pirates. Thing I did not know, Peter Green wrote Black Magic Woman, which is the song that made Santana famous. Which is also about... Uh, Penny Boyd. <laughs> right. Yeah. He probably. I did not know this either. And neither. this version is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's better rules. than the Santana version. It's great. It's so weird. Yeah. Because I've never been a huge Santana fan. I've never been a huge <laughs> not much of Fantana. A... <laughs> Fantana, is that what you say? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's where I was going to go. I was going to say Santana, but either yeah. way, it works. Either, yeah. they both both deadly. I would yeah. say Fanfana. <laughs> Like in my just, opinion, just go nuts with it, fan fana. I'm a fan fana. In my opinion, and I mean this, and I hope every real Santana fan gets mad. His best song is "Smooth," the Rob Thomas song. See, oh, shit. by a million I, billion miles, that is the best Santana song. I love Santana. I would be the one that gets mad at that, and I'm mad at that. But I, look, "Smooth" what's, is great. What's another Santana song? Well, here's the thing about that opinion on my part. It's a hot one. It is a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> It is a hot Like one. seven it's, inches it's from the midday sun. What is the best Santana song? I, I can't name any. Like After Black Magic Woman and Smooth, I'm out of Santana songs. Well, I don't know any e- others. Evil I, Ways. Don't know it. Um, Everybody's Everything. Don't know it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they did a really great, like one of their big hits was a cover of Oye Como Va. Oh, I do oh, know yeah, that one. I, which that. Is I do great. know that one. Yeah. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. So he's good at playing other people's songs or collaborating. Okay. God right. damn it. <laughs> Well, he also collaborates with that demon in his head. It's called Metatron. That's a whole other thing. Look what? it up, everybody. Santana okay. would actually be a very interesting season. Yeah, it would. He yeah, sold really women's would. shoes at one point. That line from the Lonely Island song was not a joke. Wait, like recently? Yeah, I mean, there's lo- the Lonely Island has a song about Carlos Santana Champagne. Uh-huh. And they mention that he's women's shoes selling. <laughs> and that was true. He had a line of women's shoes at the time. Also, but also champagne. Wow. Anyway, Carlos Santana, Black Magic Woman. You probably know his version. The Fleetwood Mac version rules. We'll put it in the notes. It's awesome. Like the drums are all panned to the left. Yeah. Uh, and the guitars all panned to the right. Like it's 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 like a mono record in stereo. Yeah. It's a very weird version of that song. And interesting side note, Fleetwood Mac and Santana were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the same year, 1998. Santana played Black Magic Woman with Mick Fleetwood and Peter Green, and then Mick Fleetwood played with Fleetwood Mac, obviously, for their induction song, but Peter Green did not play with Fleetwood Mac, even though he is the literal founder of the band and was there. He did not play with them that night. (laughs) It's kind of a bummer. I'm only doing one song, and that's it. (laughs) That's Mick Fleetwood. Well, I don't know. Peter Green probably sounded like that, too. So it's in Peter B's Lunars, where Mick Fleetwood meets Peter Green, 
But the two bounce around in various bands from there for a while before teaming up again when they both join John Mayall's Blues Breakers. Of course, we've all, all three of us have been in the band. Everyone's been yeah. in that band. Yeah. I've been in John Mayall's Blues Breakers. Yeah. J- Travis has been in it twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. yeah. This is apparently the point in history where Mick Fleetwood's big elaborate drum solos start to become a thing. And we're just going to have to link to video for people at home. It's a sight to behold when Mick Fleetwood plays a drum solo. But are you is, are you going to link the vest one? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because that the is vest. insanity. <laughs> it feels like an Adult Swim sketch. It, <laughs> it, it, it does. It feels like that. Or it feels like. Like something that was done on like documentary now, like some Fred Armisen yes, yeah, like parody yeah. thing that you don't know. Because there's a guy with bones and like a skull with like <laughs> horns coming. He's wearing out of it. a Moloch helmet, like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there playing the drums with bones. And then Fleetwood comes out wearing this like like ladies blazer vest, and then starts hitting it. And it's like what like mid mid 80s early 90s so yeah. it's like the, the midi stuff so it's going like you're like dj dj <laughs> yeah. it's like making all the like bad noises. it's like making bella fleck noises <laughs> then there's like scream sounds and stuff it's like when russell crowe <laughs> yeah. in virtuosity is conducting the scream chorus thing like it's like yeah it's weird but he's hitting way too close to his crotch a lot and it's just so weird well yeah. he sometimes will hit the balls hanging from his belt that's yeah. what those balls are for. He'll incorporate those in the solos. He also, he'll he'll wear like a fast food drive through headset mic, like drummers tend to wear. And he'll just shout out random shit, like where, like it's like he's speaking in tongues. The two examples he includes in the book, once he shouted out, please don't leave me sitting on the toilet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also... Have you phoned your mother today? I mean, that one, that's always a good message. I mean, it's good question. Yeah. Not, quit quit dodging mean, the question, people listening. These would have been like a 1-800-collect-call era thing. Like, he'd have, he could have done like a big drum solo. <laughs> have you called your mother today? 1-800-collect! You know, yeah, like he, just, he, could have, he could have started doing like Wesley Willis shit with it. Like, Or not only that, just like he could have done, you know, incorporated advertising. Ads, he could have been yeah. ahead of it. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah, he could have been paid by Domino's to shout a Domino's <laughs> slogan. And 30 minutes or less. I don't think this is exactly where he starts doing those solos like to that degree. I think that was probably a Fleetwood Mac thing, but it started around this time when he was in the Blues Breakers. I by the way, not to harp on it, but I watched that Vest solo twice. It's like crazy. It's something else like when you see someone who has a vest that has to be plugged in. Yeah. Like it's a whole other thing, man. And also, he's doing a drum solo, but I don't think we even mentioned, he's up walking around on the stage the whole time. That's why he's playing a vest. Well, he's got a djembe, too, like, strapped to his shoulder. It's Yeah. yeah, He's like the drummer from Lightning Bolt before (laughs) Lightning Bolt. (laughs) I love it because he's like, I have an instrument, but I want to play my midi vest. (laughs) That's more important to me. I need to be wearing two instruments yeah. and leaving the instrument that I'm known for carrying another instrument. Don't you get it? It's analog and it's digital. It's the new world we live in. Don't you get it? Oi. It sounds like a werewolf if I touch it here. <laughs> so Mick Fleetwood's time in John Mayall and the Blues Breakers was actually very short. 
so short <laughs> that it barely matters to the history of that band. But his stint in that band is absolutely crucial to the formation of Fleetwood Mac. Again, everybody's been in the Blues Breakers, so yeah, all nobody's us. time in there is is as important to it as any and other you, person's time in it. And if you haven't been yet, hit us up on Patreon, and we'll make yeah. sure you get your spot in the we'll Blues get Breakers. You in. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk to John. Yeah, we'll we're t- open up the uh, the blues breaker wait list, the break list. Yeah, uh, look, we'll it's, get the, you in. it's yeah. the blues breakers, not the blues gatekeepers. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Mick Fleetwood only did one studio session with the blues breakers, but as luck would have it, John Mayall had bought Peter Green a bunch of studio time as a birthday gift because Peter Green had a bunch of songs he wanted to record. And John McVie and Mick Fleetwood stayed behind to record those songs with Peter Green. This is a quote. I won't do it in the pirate voice. It's too long. Oh, man. John McVie and I were Peter Green's rhythm section that afternoon, and it was magical. And I don't say that lightly. We did two covers and three instrumentals, the last of which was a 12-bar up-tempo R&B number that Peter overdubbed with a harmonica solo that sounds like Adam's Nightmare. It was a dirty bit of Chicago-style electric blues, and I, it was fucking hot. It was by far the best track of the lot. I've got a name for that one, Peter said with a knowing grin as we listened back to it in the control room. Aye, what's that, Pete? I'm calling that tune Fleetwood Mac. You mean as in him and me? I asked, pointing to John and me. Why would you call it that? Why? Well, that's easy. Fleetwood Mac is the name of my favorite rhythm section. This has been an audible original of (laughs) Adam Todd Brown (laughs) reads quotes from Mick Fleetwood. So Peter Green named his the song after Mick Fleetwood and John McVie and then ends up later on asking them to join a band and called the band Fleetwood Mac. Because here's the thing. A lot of musicians will pretend they don't want to be rock stars when they clearly very much do, like Kurt Cobain. And... (laughs) Very true. Peter Green, on the other hand, very much did not want to be a huge star. He liked the idea of being in a band. He loved playing music. He wanted to make money that way. But he didn't necessarily want to be the focal point of the band. To just throw a reference out that I know will land with everyone, it's kind of like how the guitar player in Fuel writes all the songs, (laughs) but that other guy sings lead. Fuel. His yeah. name's Fuel, right? Yeah, his yeah. name is Mr. Fuel. Yeah, John Fuel. <laughs> Mick, Mick Fuel, yeah. Fuelwood Mac. Fuelwood Mac. <laughs> I did not... Wait, the bald guy in Fuel writes all the songs? He sure does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was in the Blues Breakers as well. <laughs> he awesome. was. They called him Bald Fuel, and he was like, I can't stay here. And he left and started a band called Fuel. Yeah. So yeah, he eventually asks... John McVie and Mick Fleetwood to start a band. They call the band Fleetwood Mac. At first, it was called Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, but only because he had become kind of a star by then, and they wanted people to know he had a new band. But as soon as he could quit calling it that, he did. And they were just called Fleetwood Mac. Is that why you call this Adam Todd Brown's You Don't Even Like That Band? Yeah. 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 I just want people to know. You know, because I'm such a big star on the band podcast scene. You're like a yeah. Disney or a or a Tyler Perry. You know, it's like you're you're presenting something. I think a Tyler Perry. Yeah, yeah. Probably most a TP. Most similar, sure. Yeah. ATB TP. So, like I mentioned earlier, the only problem with John McVie joining Fleetwood Mac and the band being named after him, he wasn't in the band when <laughs> it was called Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> 
at first. He was still in John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. He had been there for like five years, and he was like, I got a job. I don't want to... I don't want to join your fucking yeah. I want to join your fucking funk startup. Yeah, stupid just, little I'm, band. Yeah. Get in on the ground floor. I'm going to be in the Blues Breakers hours. forever. No, they're, they're going to get rid of you and replace <laughs> you with Dave Matthews next week. Yeah, you're yeah. going to do a and, photo shoot next week. There's going to be a minus spray painted <laughs> above your head. <laughs> Who's this new kid? Kurt what? <laughs> Cobain. Uh, good luck with that one, kid. So the original lineup of Fleetwood Mac was Peter Green, Mick Fleetwood, Bob Brunning, and Jeremy Spencer. That was up until August 13th, 1967, the Windsor Jazz and Blues Festival, the show that what changed everything. Whoa. Hold on. Just a second here. Hold on. I'm fielding questions. Go. I'm picturing things, all right? Sure. And then August 3rd, 1967 happens, this Windsor Jazz and Blues Festival. August August 13th. You don't thank want to you, be 10 you. days behind. I'm I sorry. appreciate it's, that. Yeah. You, you, the, the, the things I, were different then. Than but they I think, were. but maybe my things were like preparing for what was going to happen on the 13th. Gotcha. Fair, so yeah. August 13th, 1967, the things I am picturing, what has happened to them? They've changed. What? Are they different they things? Were, they were one way. Uh-huh. And now they're another way. Whoa. Wow. So yeah, you're t- is, is this like like a Mandela effect kind of thing? A like little, new- but exactly like that, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, blues world, breakers effect. The world ended, and then we <sighs> moved to, uh, collectively moved to a new consciousness. And- gotcha. Wow. So the Windsor Jazz and Blues Festival, August 13th, 1967, was basically a giant particle accelerator. Yeah, it was, it was just- time yeah. wave zero. Yeah, yeah it's a large hadron wow. collider. Sure. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It was also the live debut of Fleetwood Mac. Same, yeah, I could see why that could rip a hole in, in fabric and, of space and time as we know it. And by all accounts, they fucking owned. So much so that John McVie, who was on the bill with John Mayall and the Blues Breakers, was finally like, all right, I'm going to join Fleetwood Mac. You're named after me, after all. <laughs> so I guess I'm finally in. But also, at that same festival, playing on a different stage in a band called Chicken Shack. All right, these, these band names, come on. They're bad. Also, They're so- a British band called Chicken Shack is yeah. weird, you know? <laughs> Very what, weird. What do they know about chicken or shacks? Yeah, it should be called a chip shack. Yeah. Yeah. Or, the ch- or, <laughs> let's call it Flappy Bird Shed. That's what we got around here. Spotted Dick Shack. <laughs> <laughs> Spotted Dick Shack. <laughs> That's the name of my band. I want to be in it, uh, even if it's just me being a giant (laughs) seven-foot-tall drummer that's also the manager. (laughs) This is where, uh, playing in Chicken Shack, a singer and piano player named Christine Perfect. Is that her real name? That's her real name. She would eventually go on to marry John McVie and change her name to Christine McVie. Why the fuck would you change your name if your last name is literally Perfect? I mean, we'll talk about her. I mean, I guess we can talk about it now. But Christine McVie, speaking of reluctant musicians and stars, when she was still named Christine Perfect, she put out a solo album, was named Melody Makers UK Vocalist of the Year two years in a row, and was so bothered by all of it, she quit music and just announced that she was retiring. And she eventually after a few months, returned to music to join Fleetwood Mac and perform under the name Christine McVie. So she put out one album under the damn near perfect name Christine Perfect and then gave it up. And 
It's weird because that is a hard name to live up to. And it's also almost like a name that invites critics to be shitty. Like, even if a critic likes your album, they see that name and they're probably going, oh, I've got like six headlines in my head right now for this review that's going to be negative. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. A perfect album? I don't think so. You know, like all of that shit. Yeah. Perfectly imperfect, et cetera. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she wasn't in the lineup for that first album. The first Fleetwood Mac album that was called Fleetwood Mac it was released in 1968. And here's the thing: it's it's not my not my kind of thing. It's, it is so preciousy bluesy white boy. Yeah, it's, I've heard a Delta you know a Delta blues record, and I want to do that, but I don't really know what that is. Yeah, I just I can't really get into it. But it's good for what it is, and they've got some songs. That's sure. true. It is good. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. it is good for what they're trying to do. They are doing it yeah it's it's fine it's like not a bad record it's like your standard british you know late 60s white british guy blue bar blues stuff which is like like, yeah i feel like it's the guys who like you know the calf racers the those motorcycles where they would race back and forth to cafes and like fight each other of what was better like blues or jazz i feel like (laughs) this was like a a record that they fought about you know (laughs) Probably, yeah. yeah. You while, know. while while ignoring the black American experience <laughs> yeah, in both sure, arguments. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's like privileged white boy blues shit. And it's like, fine. It's if you heard it playing at a bar, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. But it's not like, you know, when I want to hear blues, I've got other stuff I listen to. When I want to hear, you know, late 60s British rock, I got other stuff I listen to. Like the holes that this album would fill are already being filled and I'm not accepting new applications. So yeah. it's like, I for what it was, it's fine. There's a few good tracks on it. They have some decent covers of standards. Like there's a Elmore James, a Howlin' Wolf, and a, a Robert Johnson song on there. And they're fine, but like, I'm probably never going to listen to it again. Yeah. I, I do like where you're like basically putting a hiring freeze into place on blues records. You're like, yeah. we, don't, we don't need any new ones. We're good. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I got Roosevelt Sykes. I, I don't need this. I got Otis Rush. I don't need this. Their version of Black Magic Woman is really good. They have a song called Oh Well that comes out on a later album that is quite the banger. Bands cover it all the time. But yeah, it's just this era of music in general isn't yeah. my favorite. Like Cream, shit like that. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, the the one song on this that's like long loved another woman. It sounds like you hear that song and you're like, oh, I can hear Black Magic Woman in this song. Like, yeah, that's that's where that's gonna come from. And Cold Black Night is good, and Long Gray Mare is okay. Like I don't know. And but there's also a thing on these first few records that is interesting. Of like, I just don't think of records being made like this anymore. I watched that Beatles documentary where they're where they're making. Um, let it be and it's like they all would just sit there and play the same song over and over and pick which take they wanted and that's clearly what this band is doing too like they're playing like no one's playing the drum part the guitar part and marrying it all together they're all in the room just fucking banging out the song and deciding which one they want to use so we kind of touched on it a little bit but god and religion both become really big characters in the early fleetwood mac story i don't know this is so weird man i don't know how else to put it case in point jeremy spencer who was their guitar player he apparently is all over that first album like a lot of those takes are his ideas he was this is a quote from mick fleetwood he was quite religious and used to carry a bible at all times and pray 
But on stage, he was a complete wild man. All right. So that sets up this. In what way was he a wild man? <laughs> Jeremy would fill condoms with beer or milk and hang them from his guitar. Story could end right there. Yeah. Yep. See, that's, that's not wild man. That's troubled. Yes. But it goes on with a reserve pile at the side of the stage. Which begs the question, was he actually drinking this beer and milk out of these condoms? Yeah, that's what I want to know. If there's a reserve pile, then that means these are being depleted. How are they being depleted? And what roadie's job is it to be like, oh, I got to get to the venue early. I got to get the fucking condoms (laughs) filled with beer and milk. You know, it's part of my job. Is he doing the beer and milk at the same time, or is it some nights it's all milk, other nights it's all beer? I'm and picturing a little bit of each. Like we got the beer, but we got the beer condoms, we got the milk condoms. Are he, is he putting beer and milk into the same condom couldn't sometimes? Just like this a, is a problem. Couldn't he just bring a fucking table on stage with him, <laughs> like a normal person? Yeah. And yeah, no, it, this is a red flag. In the part where there's the reserve pile, I know people at home are probably thinking, "Oh, well, he must be like chucking those into the crowd throughout the night." Well, we're not done with that quote. At the end of the night, we'd throw however many were left at the audience by way of thanks. What was happening to the beer and milk condoms during these shows? So That's they- also, we need to revisit their concept of thanks. <laughs> Somebody didn't teach them what gratitude is and how you express that. Well, keep in mind, it was a different time, Andy. A lot of people in this era of, of British... Uh, social life uh, people often said thanks by basically a balloon fight filled with some kind of drinkable liquid and it was uh, during the famous yeah. uk milk and beer famine of oh the my 60s. god you remember that it was crazy yeah. this is also the uk where they don't really refrigerate milk or beer <laughs> boy why you think we still sell milk in bags hmm? <laughs> in it in it so also this from their stage. Well, 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 I'm curious to see if you know this, Adam. Are they throwing them at the audience like for them to like catch and like it's reusable or is it like a like a water balloon fight but it's beer and milk and it's exploding on them? Well, like also how much is it? Is it like a water balloon amount or is it just like dick amount? Like like Yeah, is it just fill, fill is it, it like, up like there's like a milk dick inside here, it? Here's the thing. There are no answers to these questions that make this a normal scenario, but the answers would tell us how fucked up the whole scenario is. But I mean, there's like things like this now. Like, who, who's the person who's always throwing cakes at their audience now and trying to hit people in the face for their TikTok? Like, I feel like this is like Andy. Andy. Yeah, Andy, yeah. you do that, right? You're always yeah, throwing sheet cakes at people. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sheet cake, Andy. Everybody loves you. You're huge on social media. Uh, I feel like, I guess, throwing things at audience is part of the thing, right? Uh, yeah. 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 You, you you know, you shoot water guns into the audience sometimes, or you throw roses Pizza's into the this, audience or whatever. Yeah. But like, this is, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's people strange. being like, beer me, milk me. Like if people had like, you know, like if the, they the want, f- yeah. The fact that it's in condoms feels aggressive. Oi. Left side of the stage is milk, right side of the stage is beer. And you're just like, yeah. Again, the the presence of milk at all feels hostile. Milk in a condom is bad, yeah. Are they lubricated? Yeah, <laughs> are they? Yeah, what's what's going on with these condoms? Do yeah. they have spermicidal lubricant? Are they are they natural condoms? Are they like sheepskins? Are they sausage casings? Oh God, <laughs> this is 
this could be the whole podcast. Could just yeah. be unpacking that one quote. There's also this about their early stage shows. This is a Mick Fleetwood quote. I don't know whose idea it was, but Harold became our new member, and oh, we introduced no. him as such, complete with a properly grand entrance. Harold, you see, was a pink 16-inch dildo that our road manager, dressed as a butler, would bring onto the stage on a silver tray, surrounded by glasses of cognac for the rest of us. We would toast Harold as our road manager affixed him to the top of my bass drum, where he would spend the rest of the show undulating to the vibrations. His real moment in the sun came when Jeremy poked Harold through the fly of his gold lame trousers while he sang a few Elvis songs. Fleetwood Mac shows sound awesome. Fleetwood Guar. I (laughs) really enjoyed your reading of that because I understood the quote better. When I read it, I thought... The dildo came dressed out as a butler. (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused why they were dressing this dildo up in like a little tiny tuxedo and like how it would stay on and where they were putting it. Like a dildo butler was really funny to me. But now I realize the road manager was dressed as a butler. The wildest thing to me about this is that they're doing this, all these theatrics and this craziness so that they can play white boy blues rock. <laughs> like it's just, like they're not even playing anything really challenging other than their version of Black Magic Woman. It's just like they're doing a Howlin' Wolf cover with a 16-inch dildo on a fucking tray. Like That's yeah. the weirdest part. It's like Lady Gaga wearing a meat dress, but her music is this like pop techno shit. It's just like this doesn't there's a disconnect here. You know, Take it easy. Enough. Lady Gaga is a once in a generation talent. Sure. sure. I agree. <laughs> I also dislike the thought, Sure. You know what? I, I think I'll know what would be, make us more authentic as blues musicians is if we got a little bit of what all those Delta Blues guys have, a butler with a dildo. You know, bring that out, yeah. and we'll just be really, really authentic. <laughs> yeah. It's just not my kind of music. And they made a few albums with this lineup. Christine McVie officially joined... Uh, for an album called Mr. Wonderful. I think that was the first one she was on. I don't know if she was officially in the band yet. Their third album is called Then Play On, and it's probably that lineup's best-known album. It's the one that has Oh Well on it. Oh, yeah. Did anyone watch Haim's cover of Oh Well? Danielle Haim can fucking shred. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I'll, I'll link to all of that in the show notes. But that song, I saw Tom Petty cover that song. It's, it's probably the best early Fleetwood Mac song. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Black I, Magic Woman? I, yeah, I Black like, Magic Woman's pretty good. I like Green Monolishi a lot. But that's later, though, right? This is... No, that's... Is that the same... That's I mean, on like, this album, isn't it? Oh, it's the same album? All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're... It, that's the thing. It seems like things are going pretty good for Fleetwood Mac, but we're getting really close to the first big hiccup in their uh, history. <laughs> their history, know. yeah. Lineup. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the second album, again, it sounds more like it's more of the same of the first album. It's just a little livelier and has horns in it, and a little more. It's a little more energetic, so I like it a little better. But it's still not my whole scene. But then, then play on is like, oh, this is this is what I came here for. Yeah, that like, album is, is getting a little closer to my lane. Yeah. it Again, that's the album that has Oh Well on it, and that is one of their, this version of the band, that is one of their most enduring hits. 
That's great. So things were going good for the band. Their first three albums, I mean, they weren't like huge successes, but they were doing well enough that they were touring. They had a career. And here comes a quote from Mick Fleetwood. With all that was happening for the band, we failed to see that our leader, Peter Green, was changing. He'd grown moody and brooding, which came through in his new material. Here's another quote. It felt like we'd finally found ourselves and we're on to something. And all of us were ecstatic about it. All except Peter. Our popularity, our tour schedule, and our record sales had the opposite effect on him. They put him into a dark, depressed cocoon of his own making. He'd started talking matter-of-factly about leaving the band even before Owell exploded. And this is one more quote. Peter had taken more than a dozen LSD trips that I knew of by then and continued to do so. We will never know how that played into it. What matters is that Peter changed fast and drastically. He'd never done so before, but he began to talk about religion incessantly. So here's the thing. I think we know exactly how much it played into it because of what happens next. Yeah. I think these the more than a dozen LSD trips uh, had a hand in this. That's the thing. Like... Mm. We were all experimenting with acid in the 60s, you know? It yeah, true. impacted people different. And uh, it seems like it impacted Peter Green in a very specific way. But don't you feel like maybe it brought something to the surface, but it didn't create this in him? Like, this was there. No, yeah, he already, like like we said, he would already wasn't super into the idea of being, like, front and center of everything and having his name on everything and being, like, the star. Yeah, but it's Fleetwood Mac. It's not Fleetwood Green. Just play your guitar, dude. <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's called Fleetwood Mac, and it always has been called Fleetwood Mac, but those two have never done anything more than play drums and play bass. So Peter Green was actually the lead singer of Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Well, he was one of them, Jeremy Spencer also being one of the lead singers. When he wasn't throwing beer and... (laughs) Beer condoms. Milk at people, yeah. Milk condoms. I hope that was really milk. Yeah, it's also, it's weird, because it's like, that's the dude that's bringing a Bible everywhere, and praying everywhere, and then he's, you know, putting a 16-inch dildo out of his gold lame pants, and throwing milk and beer all over the place. You know, and if he's gonna be Mr. Bible Guy, shouldn't it be milk and honey? Shouldn't he be, like, throwing that at people? (laughs) Exactly. Come on, man. Well, the origins of beer actually uh, go oh. back to when they built the pyramids in Egypt. So that, okay. <laughs> so Mick Fleetwood says around this time he would frequently find Peter Green in his hotel room on tour, just like crying at the evening news, which... <laughs> 2022 much? Yeah, exactly. The tensions hit a breaking point when Peter Green started demanding that the entire band give all of their earnings to charity. And they declined. It's a good move, business-wise, you know? Yeah. If to you give all your off... stuff away? No, to decline that. To, to, to go, oh, 100% of our <laughs> profits would not really be that much of advantageous to us. Okay, what about 110%? Seems now like that's I'm on what board. Peter Green wanted. I'm committing to all of my money plus 10% of somebody else's. I'm in. This is another quote from Mick Fleetwood. Once he understood that the rest of us weren't going to change our minds, Peter began acting crazier with each passing day. He took to wearing robes, caftans, and a huge wooden crucifix. He grew his hair and beard very long, and when he spoke to the press, he would only discuss his search for God. It's... And that's true. There are uh, Some of the Rolling Stone articles we'll link to are just 
What the fuck, Peter Green? What are you talking well, about? Well, it's like when he smashed that master with his huge wooden crucifix <laughs> because they put the track listing wrong. Is he like Steve Earl Jesus-y? reference? Yeah, Steve Earl reference. Is he getting Jesus-y or is he getting monkey? Like, what? Which which way is he going? Is it? He no. He joined the monkeys. Is he joined the monkeys. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It seems like the same thing. They both just took too many drugs and decided they needed Jesus to fix it. Uh, he just became a daydream believer. Yeah. Uh, strained to Clarksville. <laughs> hey, that's your name. So he left the band for good during a European tour in 1970 after a group of hippies took him to their compound during a stop in Munich, and he initially refused to rejoin the band. I will just, spoiler alert, one of two times this happens to this version of Fleetwood Mac. Sort of. I'm trying to understand why you would ever go anywhere with a group of hippies. Like, it's, it can't be good. Oh, come on. They're, they, got, they got a good attitude. They got the free love thing going on. They, they're, they're smiling. They got drugs. I feel anybody with a, a, a good eye for the world... When a group of people say, come back to our compound, you first say no. Like, I, you never go with a group to a compound. I Look, I, I got to be honest with you, Travis. I'm like always like two steps away from going to a compound. I, that's <laughs> very clear. That's never been <laughs> up for debate. We'd never take that from you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. We know. Yeah. Also, I, <laughs> I think you're overestimating the amount of steps you are away from it. <laughs> I mean, we look at Steve Earle's stuff, and I'm like, man, that's wild. I don't get that. I don't get how you become that. Reading this about Peter Green, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Totally in. I understand. I've cried to the evening news. Yeah, that's true. I've seen it happen. And you also feel like you're not far from like being only in robes and wearing a giant something around. Uh, robes are comfy. I yeah. would definitely. I would definitely wear. I don't robes think you're a crucifix Caftans are great. I feel you're not a not a cross guy, you know. No, like, I, that's the thing. That's where you lose me. It becomes sure. when you get when you get churchy about it. That's when you lose me. If your compound isn't super churchy, I'm probably in. That's the one difference I have between me and Peter Green here. Okay. So they did talk him into finishing that tour, but he was pretty much done after that. Here is another quote from Mick Fleetwood. He was coming undone, and every bit of it can be heard in Peter's last single with Fleetwood Mac, The Green Manalishi. The tune is about the devil, the darkness within, and the alluring temptation of descending into madness. He wrote it one night after waking from a nightmare. Gripped with terror and paralyzed by dread, Peter was unable to breathe. When he was finally capable, he grabbed his guitar and a pen and paper and wrote out the chords and lyrics. The song came out of him in a feverish sweat, and we recorded it just as it was written, changing nothing. Here's the thing. That song is a fucking banger. It's yeah. so good. I and tell you what, if wearing a crucifix and a robe and going to compounds with hippies leads to this, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is the way to go. And, and here's the thing. I was familiar with this song as a Judas Priest song. I did not yeah. know that this was a Fleetwood Mac song originally because I knew it from the Judas Priest record. So like, uh, the fact that we're even saying that I knew this is a Judas Priest song, but did not know it was a Fleetwood Mac song is not where I thought any of this was going <laughs> when Adam pitched. Hey, what if we did a Fleetwood Mac season? I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, sure. They've had some turmoil. I get it. I, I, guy wearing caftans walking around, uh, getting 
mind erased by hippies and then coming out and writing a song about the devil and then that being so powerful that like Judas Priest is like, we should cover that. Not what yeah. I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, a decade yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the song, like, I'm sure people listening to this who aren't familiar, you have a, a vision in your head of what Fleetwood Mac sounds like. And now go listen to the Green Man Alishi. Sounds yeah, like, like fucking Judas Priest. <laughs> Don't stop worrying about the devil. That's how the whole song goes. It's really yeah, quite uplifting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very upbeat. So, yeah. And then Peter Green left. Last quote of the episode. In the end, Peter left because the rest of us didn't want to give it all away. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Right? I right. can't tell if you're a king or a papa, Peter Green. <laughs> yeah, people don't even realize that song is about Peter Green. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So is uh, Under the Bridge. <laughs> Most Red Hot Chili Pepper songs are about Peter Green. It's very weird. Very weird. You think it's about California. No. It's code for Peter Green. California is metaphor for <laughs> Peter Green, bro. Peter yeah, Greenication. Yeah. The Green New Deal. It's all about just like <laughs> restoring Peter Green's awesomeness, man. Yeah, Mother's Milk is about milk within the, the condoms. Yeah, that's true. It's about throwing yeah. condoms of milk at people. Absolutely. So yeah, that brings us to the end of this first episode. Fleetwood Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac is now without Peter Green. What a fucking ride just on th- this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Well, we haven't even gotten into like the Fleetwood Mac people. No, this is just and this isn't like, oh, they were, you know, dumping around in clubs and no one knew who they were. They're popular at this point. Like yeah. this is crazy. Yeah, I had a friend who used to listen to like all of this version of Fleetwood Mac and I never listened to any of it. Like I I have no this is this part has all been very new to me like getting familiar with the music of this band and or this version of the band and I think the version we're going to talk about next which still is not the Stevie Nicks Lindsey Buckingham version I think it's inching closer to what we think of as Fleetwood Mac now yeah. specifically the Bob Welch era when that guy joins the band they become a 70s American rock band as opposed to a 60s British blues band. And they start making jelly. Yes, yes. Welch's grape. More like Welch's grape. Grape grape jelly. Delicious on everything. It's it's weird how many parallels there are between this and the corn story. I didn't think we were going to get that many parallels between Fleetwood Mac and corn. We got somebody leaving because of religion. And we got a guy named Welch. At uh-huh. some point, Lindsey Buckingham gets tattooed by Fred Durst, I imagine. Of course. Yeah, I would assume so. Right and before Rumors comes out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I, well, I know for a fact we have an Oasis moment coming up, so I'm, I'm just going to let that happen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is, actually. Yeah. So until then, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, episode two of this. Episode two of this. You should yeah. listen to yeah. it. That's if coming you're, up. If you're listening to this for free, that means this entire season is available on the Patreon or Supercast. Patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. But if you're one of those princes or princesses who already subscribes, you already heard. You're already you're listening to this now. Yeah. I mean you're now the real deal up. straight shooter, man. The real deal Holyfield. Hell yeah. It's what we call it. We don't call it that. No, we don't. So, what else do we have to plug? Anyone? Andy? Uh, new episodes Look Good for the Boys are coming after a brief... I'm sorry, did co- you say Look Good for the Boyds? 
Like looking Patty for the Boyd's. Boyd's. Yes, looking, oh, looking Boyd? for the Jenny Boyd's. Oh, um, nice, nice. Looking for the Boyd's. <laughs> looking for the Boyd's. It's my Three Stooges uh, bird watching podcast. Uh, looking for the Boyd's, a horror gossip podcast, has uh, some new episodes on the way after a brief COVID-induced hiatus. And new episodes of Ghoul School are coming. And nice. I've been on, I was on Punk Lotto Pod recently talking about the Mountain Goats album, uh, The Sunset Tree. That was a fun time. Listen Very nice. And uh, Travis, anything? Make yeah, work. I was recently on the Goods from the Woods pod uh, with uh, Rivers Langley, my, my buddy, uh, and that whole crew. And we had a good old time talking about Scottish soda and um, crazy, I don't know, cans that are supposed to heal you. And uh, that's just not a sure. real thing, in my opinion, but it was cool. Uh, and uh, October-ish, so not too far away, my first audio book is coming out that I'm narrating. So um, Very nice. you can uh, find that on Audible, and you can follow me on any of these social platforms at Track Rivals. That's Journals 2 by Kurt Cobain that mm-hmm. Travis will be <laughs> narrating. Journals 2. I said no freaking jalapenos. <laughs> CIA CIA released it years later. It's all about how Courtney Love could not have done it. Very mm-hmm. strange. Very strange. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Travis, say goodbye. Goodbye. Andy, say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.